is she going to do for Rhode Island? I know Sabina. She's going to work really hard for the small businesses. I've, I've gone to small business to small business with her as, as recently as Friday. Uh, that's a really important part of our, of our office as small business advocacy. That's Governor Dan McKee telling me in April when he was in the studio why he picked Sabina Matos to be the lieutenant governor. She joins me this morning for her first uh, full interview on 10 News Conference as lieutenant governor. You were with us a couple of months ago as a council president in Providence. Welcome back. It's nice to have you in. Thank you. You know, I know back. you're trying to reshape the role of lieutenant governor, mm -hmm. and he wants you to do that. Uh, but to what end? Because uh, the, the office has often been kind of a backwater. Some people say, we don't even need it. So you can show up with him at all these events and say, yes, yes, yes. But what's the what's the end game if you have no legislative power to do that? You're still waiting for him. Well, that's what you're what you're saying about reshaping the office. It's yeah. not just me. The governor also, based on his experience as lieutenant governor, he wants to make a lot of changes about how the two offices work together. Right. So uh, he's including me in more um, participation in, in events and meetings. Um, with all of the COVID response that was part of the uh, meetings with directors yeah. um, in, in things that you don't see in the, in, in the media all the time. So he wants the office to work in collaboration with, with the office of the governor okay. based on his experience. When you're talking about reshaping in, in whether the office is needed, I think right now, just seeing what just happened uh, with um, Secretary now Raimundo being appointed to that post, mm -hmm the uh, lieutenant governor step in to be the governor. So the office is needed. Right. What I think that is needed, and the governor McKee also believe, is that there should be more collaboration between the two offices. Okay, well, you know, there is a debate on whether or not we need it. In fact, we had a famous candidate, the cool moose, vote. he ran for it and said, if I'm elected, I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to save you a million dollars a year. And some states don't have mm -hmm. it. Several do, and we have it here. So that's a debate for another time. But yeah. this notion of reshaping the office, you have, real, you have no real power. You are on boards as an advisor. You're an advisory this, advisor that. So, so how is it bringing you around with him? Is, is that a show? I don't, and you know your critics have said that. I know. The critics are always going to say something yeah. like that. Um, I honestly believe that Governor McKee proved um, during this pandemic, the last 15 months, uh, the last couple of uh, couple years, the importance of the office. It took leadership to making sure that there was conversations happening, direct conversations between the small business community mm -hmm. and the directors. He was very involved in what was happening and what, how their small businesses were being affected. There's a lot of areas in which his office does a lot of work yeah. and has influence. So I don't, I don't buy into the argument that the office is not needed or that it's not valued to have in the office. Okay, you know, the president has given Kamala Harris, the vice president, a bunch of jobs. Mm -hmm. Six or seven big ones, last time I counted, including fixing immigration, which your critics say she's a little late on that. Uh, but has the governor given you specific roles and said, I want you to fix this. Come up with a plan, I'm empowering you. I have spoke to the governor before I was chosen for the position. I have told him where, where the areas that I had interest on, housing, mm -hmm. equity, transportation. Okay. I have to say, right as of right now, I've been getting a lot of uh, support from him when it comes to housing and to equity. Uh, transportation, we're still um, not, I haven't been as involved or have not been part of those conversations. But I have to be, and when I was speaking to um, anyone that asked me about how we work together, once I tell everyone this is a new way of working for the two offices. Uh, the governor and I are learning our styles and how to work together. 
I actually said during one of the press conference that we were um, learning how to dance. And mm -hmm. he said that his wife would be really happy if I can teach him how to dance, okay. right? But we're learning how to work together. Fair enough. And you've only been on the job for a small period of time. Fair enough. Uh, but uh, has he said to you, well, you go, you're the housing person. And you're, uh, do you think he's empowered you to say, come back with the housing recommendations and we're going to do it? Or you'll do your best and bring me your report and I'll look at it because I'm the governor. Where is it? Well, we have one governor at a time. So let's don't make any assumption that we have two governors mm -hmm. right now. We have a governor and a lieutenant governor. The governor has given me the, uh, the support that I need to do work around housing. I've been having conversations since, I, since the beginning with different stakeholders that have been working in the, the housing arena. Yep. But there are so many pieces to the housing uh, conversation in the state of Rhode Island. And there are so many pieces that happen in different agencies and in different part, different agencies mm -hmm. within the state. So he has empowered me to work on this in this um, arena of housing. We're going to be bringing together uh, all of the housing advocates in, in everyone affected by the problems to have a housing summit. I have been in conversations with uh, the Secretary of Commerce, Stephen Pryor. Mm -hmm. um, as you know, right now, the Housing Resource Commission falls on the commerce. So, and we are working in collaboration to uh, make sure that we have the eventual housing summit and we're going to have an in-person one for the fall. Okay. You were in local politics. You yes. were the city council president. Now you've chosen this. And it's a rough game. And some people are saying that he's bringing you around because he wants to make sure he locks down the Latino vote. You know, I asked uh, Nelly Gorbea, she was on my program mm -hmm. last week about this, all the interest in Hispanic and the Hispanic vote and the percentage yeah. of Hispanics. Go ahead and play. This is Nelly Gorbea. And she said, I wonder how quick he would be to bring you around if I didn't get into the race as a Latina. Let's play it. It seems that Governor McKee is very interested in that. He has Sabina Matos everywhere he goes with her. So let's talk about it. No, what is I think it? what it shows is, you know, I mean, the question is, had I not put my name forward, had I not been spoken to, you know, would all, any of these issues be talked about? I don't know. Well, if she wasn't running, would you be here today? Who knows? But I think she... But you get to what she's saying. She's no, saying, I... I'm a Latina, now all of a sudden you're everywhere. Well, <laughs> I think that I bring a lot of my own to the position, uh, my background, my experience working in the city of Providence. I always quote uh, um, Senator Goodwin, who says that being the president of the Providence City Council is not for the faint of heart. It's, it's a tough position. Okay. It's really a challenging position. And I have experience working with the different business community developers um, in groups in the community. So I bring my own experience to the, to the role. But I think that Secre uh, the, uh, Secretary Gorbea should feel, um, she should take credit then for saying that this is a good thing. If I was her, I would embrace that saying, this is a good thing that just for me being in the race, I'm influencing okay. the decision-making of the government. I don't see anything bad You're with You're being very nice and very diplomatic, <laughs> but she's saying if I wasn't a Latina running, you wouldn't be here. So it's a play to get the Latinos locked up. I don't think it's a play to get the Latino locked up. I think that... It must have crossed your mind. because You're with him a lot. I'm with him a lot, but at the same time, he could have chosen somebody else. I want something that we need to have clear. At the end of the day, it was his decision. He was already in the role of lieutenant governor. Mm -hmm. He knew exactly what, what it was needed for the moment and time that we are right now. And we should celebrate that he is acknowledging the change in demographic and the changes in the state of Rhode Island 
and embrace that. I think his decision of picking me was a courageous decision because okay. exactly that. He was going to be criticized saying that it's just pandering. Okay, we're not breaking news here. You know, you said a courageous decision. Maybe it is on many levels because I would say, uh, Lieutenant Governor, what are you bringing to the suburbs? You want to run with him. You've already said that. You're yes. going to run as a ticket. Uh, we don't have official tickets, but you're going to be with him when he runs again in a, in a, in a short period of time. What are you going to bring to the suburbs? Because uh, people uh, in the suburbs who mm -hmm. send a lot of money up to Providence and taxes are going to say that's a failed school system, that's a failed city with on many levels. Mm -hmm. what is, how are you going to overcome that baggage that you're coming, you were city council president of a failed city? Actually, I have been visiting different cities and towns, and I've been getting a really warm and nice welcome um, so far everywhere I go. I haven't gotten any negative things that I can report of. Um, I believe that everyone is going to judge my record, what mm -hmm. I have done, in my work ethics, and what I'm willing to do for the state of Rhode Island. I don't think it's going to be judged just on actions or of others or I think they, they're gonna yeah. give me a fair chance to prove myself. I don't think you, you I, I believe you probably are very warmly welcome you're a very nice person and by the way some of the others in, in the in, in the running I have no qualms with anyone but the the, the the argument is you come from a city with a failed school system you come from a city with a failed pension obligation you come with a city from a city that's in the news all the time yeah. for one reason or another they're not good so how are you going to overcome those things well i can tell you that the problems that the city of providence has right now mm -hmm. didn't just happen within the last 10 years in which i was a member of the providence city council this is a problems that come from decades and it's a problem that many others have tried to address before and we're still mm -hmm. in a trying to to solve I don't think that um, it would be fair to point all of the, what they call failures on my um, performance as a member of the province city council or as the president of the city council. I think every elected official, our job is to leave the, the places um, better than how we found it. And honestly think that the work mm -hmm. that I did in the neighborhoods and my neighborhoods that I represented for the city of Providence, mm -hmm. I can tell you that I, leave, I left um, Providence better than how I found it. Okay, let's hold it there on a high note, yes. and we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with some specifics for mm -hmm. Lieutenant Governor Sabita Montes. Welcome back. We continue with Lieutenant Governor Sabina Matos. Uh, when I had you in as council president a while ago, you, you said you were looking at one way to de... You said uh, move money around from the police department. Mm -hmm. And then the headline says, I wouldn't vote for the budget if it doesn't uh, cut police funding. So mm -hmm. you were for defunding uh, the police. Now you flip-flop back and say you're not. Make that clear. I can make it clear. Um, I if I remember correctly, I don't have that uh, um, article in front of me. That was um, a community meeting that happened, and I was. And the question was, if to vote for a budget that would not reallocate funding to mm -hmm. social services agencies, um, in that's what I uh, what I said. But I had been very clear that my position has shifted based on conversations that I had with residents in my neighborhood, community mm -hmm. meetings. Um, we had a, a, a very long finance. Um, uh, committee meeting, public hearing, mm -hmm. in which a lot of individuals came to testify against uh, the police. But 
I heard a lot of voices, but I did not see people from my neighborhood, the ones that normally are participating in neighborhood meetings that normally reach out to me with issues in the, in, in the neighborhood. And when I went back to them, they didn't want me to defund the police. Okay. They were very concerned about that. What I did is, before I left on the Providence City Council, I authorized $217,000 to go to family services for the Gold Team program. Mm -hmm. That is a, a program that is helping the police department to make sure that whenever there is a response uh, to an issue uh, with someone that has mental health or any other social services issue, there is someone in there that can respond that is not always the police. Okay, so let me be clear. Mm -hmm. You at one point wanted to defund the police. Then you heard from your constituents and said, no, no, I'm not going to defund the police. And then was a quote uh, a couple of weeks ago. You said, well, that was an emotional response. Yes, I wanted mm -hmm. to defund, but now I don't. It was an emotional response to the news media. So I would say, well, listen, if the next murder comes along or the next yeah. problem comes along, are you going to flip-flop back? No, I think that that was a misquote when they said that it was an emotional response. I think that if you go and listen to the audio, I was talking about the response that everyone was having. I was talking okay. about the United States by watching the murder of George Floyd. So I was saying that everyone was emotional. I was not saying that my response was emotional or my decision was emotional. I was talking about okay. a co as a community in the United States, we were all emotional. Okay, but right now, as yes. it stands, yes. you are not for defunding the police. I'm not for defunding the police, but I am for putting resources to programs that are going to assist because I don't believe that the police can solve all the problems. Right now we're calling the police for yes. everything. I understand Mayor Alouis has made that clear. Mm -hmm. By the way, he may be running, as you know, in the mix too, but he mm -hmm. said we don't need a cop to respond to an accident, offend the bender. So no one is, is saying uh, uh, other, more money for other agencies would be beautiful, mm -hmm. but there is a concern, and as I said, you are not for cutting the police budget. If we can come up with other money for social workers and other units, you would be for that, but not for taking from the police. Not for taking, but I believe that eventually, once we're able to have more services, um, there would be okay. there would be a reduction because there's not going to be a need for as many uh, members or as many resources going through the police because we're going to have other programs that I are going to be taking care of those issues. I, and I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. If you have a unit that just responds to traffic calls and they're not cops, well, yeah. at a certain point down the road, it would realign everything. I understand. Okay. Uh, today on the radio, Governor McKee told me he is not for sanctuary cities. Now, your, your city was pretty much a sanctuary city. Do you disagree with him on that? Um, remember, I don't think it was exactly about sanctuary cities. I think the question was about the driver's license. Yes, but he, yeah. in, in answering that, he said, I'm not for sanctuary cities, no, I missed, but... I missed that. I think yeah. I'm for the driver's license for undocumented individuals because it's an economic um, issue and it's a public safety issue. Mm. Uh, Jim, we can pretend that it's not happening, but it's happening. There are individuals driving right now out there in our roads that have not been going through the process and making sure that they uh, follow the, the rules, that they um, were able to get a driver's license that, that are authorized to drive. Mm -hmm. And that put you and me at risk, and all of us, of getting into an accident with someone that was not probably better to have right. a, a, be driving on our roads. It's also someone who doesn't belong here. You came here legally. You follow the rules. When you drive, you, have, you do everything you're supposed to. Why wouldn't you insist that 
of someone else who doesn't even belong here. I can tell you why. Because tell the, me. the process for me to get here, it took 10 years. 10 years. In order for me to get to the United States, my, my aunt did the petition for my mother. Right. And it took 10 years waiting. My grandfather died waiting to see our family together. He came to Dominican Republic, he went to Dominican Republic to spend Christmas with us the last, um, his last Christmas. In, yeah. in the, I remember him saying, I can't wait for the date in which all of you are together with us. So it's not as easy as, pe as people talk about the, the, um, the immigration process. And there are individuals that are in desperate conditions right now I, I agree with you, and mm -hmm. I'm sympathetic to what you said, but it, it wasn't the motivation. You didn't cut the line. You waited 10 years, and there are other people who may have to wait longer. Than, and there are people from other countries who may never get here I was, because everybody can't come. I was, I was fortunate enough that I was able to wait 10 years. Yeah. There are individuals that were in, in situations worse than mine that were desperate and were looking for uh, a, a solution to the economic uh, situation they were going through, to the violence that they were uh, being faced with. So um, I just don't think that it, the immigration uh, process is very complex. In, it's not as easy as saying you waited your time, someone should wait your time. Another thing that we have to think about when, when you're having this conversation is um, the, there is an economic impact right now. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of industries that are being benefited from having undocumented workers. 100%. Right? We could list all the industries that rely on undocumented. Rely on, yes. So uh, they have been incentive also for uh, individuals to come here because of the work shortage. We're happy to give the blame to Republicans and Democrats for the past 50 years. Uh, I Nobody think has seen fit to fix it. I believe that both uh, Democrats and Republicans need to solve the immigration problem um, at the federal level because it's not going to be an issue that's going to be solved at the local level. Okay, lightning round, just about a minute and a half uh -oh. left. So you give me boom, yes or no. Legalized marijuana, recreational yes. use, you have young children, you say yes? Yes. Yes. Uh, driver's license for illegal immigrants, you yes. said yes, it's a matter of safety. Uh, you like the idea that the legislature was going to give the governor $2 billion more than he asked for in the budget? Yes, because it's justifies federal funding that is coming for programs, specific programs, yes. Okay, at PPP money, some of the small business people that the governor has, uh, really has courted, they're mad at him because yeah. he wants to tax the PPP money, and they said, wait a minute, that's not the original deal. You're not supposed to tax us. He says, no, no, I'm going to. You are. Uh, well, the legislation make changes to it. They increase the, the threshold to 225,000. Yeah. So I, I, it's a, it has a budget Im implication right now. It's tough to say with less eliminated completely um, where we're going to make up the, the money that right. is needed. Uh, you want to do housing. Yes. Uh, and I'm going to give you 30 seconds because you've mentioned that several mm -hmm. times. With 30 seconds left, that's not a lot of time, but what is it that you want from housing? If I say, here's the wand, wave it, what would you want? I can tell you specifically what I'm trying to do right now is to prevent adding more people to the homeless problem. Okay. We always do a lot of work about after the fat, but we don't do enough before. I'm working on creating a program that are going to give victims of fires about uh, $5,000 so they can rent an apartment okay. so they don't end up being homeless. I'll have you on the radio. We'll give you more time. Okay. Thank you for coming in. My pleasure. And we'll have you in again, Lieutenant Governor Sabina Matos.